Praise the Lord. I, I really do love our nation's church family, and um, it's a joy to be home. It's, it's wonderful to travel the world and to see what God is doing all over the place, and it's uh, equally as wonderful to come back uh, home and to see what God is doing right here. And so I have a word on my heart this morning that I want to share with you. This is not going to be very long, but I do think it's going to be significant for many of you that are watching. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And let me just also say this. You know, it's, it's remarkable to me the faithfulness of God in the way that he has spoken to us as a, as a community here in Orlando. Um, and it's really remarkable to me personally as, um, as a preacher to see how faithful he is to constantly um, speak to us through the preaching of the word. And we've seen that over and over again as we have guest speakers coming in and you notice these themes that come out of the, the guest speakers who have not talked to one another beforehand. They've not kind of collaborated or, or compared notes, and yet what they're saying is right in line. Uh, that's one way that we see it. For me, you know, I preach a lot. Last week during the crusade, of course, I preached every night, and then I went to South Africa, and I, I taught in the, in the school. I, I taught for three hours in the school. I answered questions for an hour in between through the lunch break, and then I answered questions an hour after each day. And then after that, I went to a, you know, a dinner with the students, and I sat there for three and a half hours talking and answering questions. And, you know, for, for me, there's just a lot of content. You'd think that at some point it just begins to run dry. And I think in some people's minds, as a pastor, you know, you spend 20 or 30 hours in a week preparing for Sunday morning. Um, if that's what you guys think, I hate to disappoint you, but I don't, I don't do that. In fact, um, I just don't have time to, to prepare like that. So let me tell you what my preparation looks like. And, and some of you are going to be totally disillusioned, you know. But I wake up on Sunday morning and say, God, what do you want to say? And, and sometimes I dictate some notes on the drive into the, you know, the church in the morning. And, and it's so amazing how consistently, over and over and over again, the Lord speaks. And I, one of the ways that I know that he's speaking is uh, one of the ways the Lord touches me when I know that, it, that, that God is moving, tears come, you know. And I think the Lord does that, number one, just to humble me because I'm a tough guy and I would never cry otherwise. And secondly, because I know if I'm crying, something's happening, you know, because I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, you stub my toe, I don't cry. I might, I might do other things, but I don't cry. And so, um, but, but as soon as I hear the Lord this morning, I said, Lord, what do you want to say? And I heard him say, come for my people. And I heard him say, tell them not to cast away their confidence, which has great reward. And many of you will realize that if, you, if you're part of the church, you'll know that we've been going through a series. I've been teaching through the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, the chapter, chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, and talking about living by faith. I, I think I've taken about four or five weeks already in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to take a little bit of a break from that series, um, and we're going to jump back, not too far previous, but we're going to go back to chapter 10. So we've been in chapter 11, but the verse that the Lord dropped into my heart this morning comes from the very end of chapter 10. It's actually the prelude into Hebrews 11, which is interesting that the Lord would say that in the midst of, of a series like this. And so Hebrews chapter 10, um, it's, a, it's a powerful passage. And um, the, the, uh, the writer to the Hebrews 
is talking about the, the confidence that we can have to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And he, he's talking about how incredible the new covenant reality is that we as the people of God have direct access to God. And he's warning us not to take that lightly. And he's warning us not to um, look at it in a way that's less than what it actually is because it's an, incredible, uh, it's an incredible privilege. And he tells us that, you know, if people died under the law of Moses when they neglected to appreciate what was coming through the prophets, how much more in these days when we have the very Son of God himself speaking to us, ought we to be very careful to heed the things that we have heard? And so then at the very end of the chapter, um, in verse 32, he says this. This is what I want to read with you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Let me just take a, a break there, because um, I want to make sure you're grasping this, and I don't usually use the message Bible when I'm preaching and teaching, because it's a paraphrase, not a translation. But in this case, I think it does such a brilliant job communicating the heart of that text that I want to read those um, three verses from the message. The message says, remember those early days after you first saw the light? Those were the hard times, kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days it was your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. Now, the rest of the message version isn't so brilliant, so I'm going to jump back over to the ESV. In verse 35, it continues. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Let me read that again, because that was the verse the Lord dropped into my heart this morning. Do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those that shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who have faith and are preserved to the saving of their souls." Let me read that last sentence again. We are not of those who shrink back, but we are of those that have faith and preserve their souls. Amen? What I want to talk to you about today, if I were going to give this a title, it would be what to do in the most difficult time of your life. What to do in the most difficult time of your life. Some of you are probably in that season right now. And I was telling somebody the other day that I wrote a book when I was in my late 20s or early 30s about surviving your wilderness. I don't know if any of you have read that book, but it was a book about what to do in the midst of trial and tribulation and suffering. And I was having a little bit of a laugh about it yesterday because I thought, you know, what does a 30-year-old know about suffering? And, uh, you know, even though it's only been a little bit over a decade since then, um, how many things I would add to that book if I wrote it today? Because life is suffering. 
<laughs> and the longer you live, the more you suffer. And, um, you know, if you think about it, you, some, some people want to live to be the oldest person uh, in their family or among their friends. But if, if you live to be the oldest, then you get to watch everybody else around you suffer and die. And so there's no escaping suffering in life. And yet, those of us that serve the Lord, we have a secret weapon in the midst of trial, in the, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of suffering that the world knows nothing about. And because of this, we're able to go through these deep waters. We're able to pass through these storms of life, whether they be actual storms like, like the hurricane that just came through last week or metaphorical storms that we all go through in our lives, even if you don't live in Florida. And so I want to remind you of something that I've told you several times since we've started this series going through Hebrews chapter 11, and that is this very simple concept that faith is spelled like this, T-R-U-S-T. And I see some of you finishing the sentence for, for me because by now you've heard that enough and you know it. I'm glad. Faith is trust. That's what it is. Faith is not saying, yeah, I believe such and such, or I give mental assent to these three or four points of doctrine. Faith is trust in God who is trustworthy. He's proven himself to us over and over again. And salvation kind of, you know, when we talk about faith, by grace you've been saved, by, by, by faith, what we're talking about, it works kind of like this. You have, let's say, you, just imagine this picture in your mind, because this is, especially for those of you in the room that are evangelists who preach the gospel, this is a great way to think about what saving faith means. All right, imagine um, a ship that has run up onto the rocks, and now it's sinking out on a stormy sea, okay? And there are castaways in the water clinging onto that wreckage for dear life, but the wreckage is going down. Okay, they're holding on to a sinking ship. And once that wreckage goes under the water, all of their hope is gone. But then the Coast Guard pulls up, and the Coast Guard takes out these life preservers. Everybody say life preservers. Life preservers. And they throw these out into the water to that drowning victim. And now the victim has to do something very important. They have to let go of the sinking wreckage and take hold of the life preserver. And so there's two things happening at once. One thing, on the one hand, you're letting go of that which cannot save you. In fact, it's not only something that cannot save you, it will drown you if you keep holding on to it. You let go of that which cannot save you to take a hold of the only hope between heaven and earth for the saving of your soul. That's what saving faith is like. But then I think a lot of times what we think is, after we get saved, then it changes, right? And faith becomes something else. But actually, that's not true. The same faith that saved you, the same trust that saved you, that same wholehearted abandonment, letting go of what the world offers you as safety and security and comfort, and taking hold of Jesus Christ, and throwing your whole life in his hands, that is not just the way you come into the kingdom. That's the way you live by faith every single day thereafter. And so when you grab a hold of the life preserver, it gives you what can only be described as a superpower in this world. Because you don't just have the assurance when you grab a hold of that life preserver, you don't just have the assurance of life after death. In other words, now I'm not gonna go to hell when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. 
No, it's more than that. Because you see, by grabbing a hold of that life preserver, you receive a confidence that allows you to handle whatever life throws at you. If your trust in Christ is able to save you from hellfire and damnation, it can save you from anything else. If it can save you from the ultimate difficulties, the ultimate tragedies, the ultimate threatening storms, it can save you from any lesser storm, no matter how significant and difficult that storm might see in the moment. So the writer of the Hebrews reminds these Jewish believers that he's writing to of the way that they clung to Christ and to that confidence that they had in him during the early days of their conversions. And so what's happening here, it seems obvious from the context, is that they are going through a very difficult time. And some of them might have been tempted to give up and to throw in the towel and to look for other ways to comfort themselves in their seasons of difficulty. But the writer to the Hebrews reminds them of things that they have already passed through. He talks to them about the difficult times that they had. He said, some of you suffered a lot. Some of you were publicly humiliated and mocked. Some of you suffered rejection from your family members and your friends because of your decision to follow Christ. Some of these people were even imprisoned for their faith or they had close friends or family members that were imprisoned. And it says that sometimes their property was taken from them because of their faith. But even when they lost everything that they had in this world, they rejoiced because they knew that they had riches laid up in heaven. And then the author of Hebrews says, the way that you held on to your faith in the midst of those storms in those early days has earned you a great reward. Think about this. In other words, he's telling them God was not oblivious to the price that you paid. In fact, he says God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. In other words, if God had, had overlooked, if he had not taken note, if he had not written down the sacrifice and the labor and the toil that you expended out of love for him and obedience to him, he would be unrighteous. Oh, no, God is not unrighteous to forget your work. You've come a long way, he's saying. You've paid a big price. Eternity has recorded it. And your investment is compounding in heaven. And you, if you could see how big that payday is that's coming, it would encourage you right now. But now, he says, you're facing the most difficult time of your life, the most difficult trial of your life, and some of you are tempted to throw in the towel. Some of you are wondering, what do I do now? And they were asking the question that I'm talking about this morning. What do you do in the most difficult time of your life? We started out holding on to this. We made this great investment. It's compounded in heaven, but now we're going through the most difficult time in our lives. What do we do? It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple, it's going to disappoint many of you. The answer, you hold on to the life preserver. In fact, you don't just hold on. You hold on even tighter. You double down. Yes, you, you used to believe in Jesus, and it got you through a lot of trials. You held on to him when you were going through this financial difficulty or that sickness in your body or this family problem. But now that you're going through the greatest trial of your life, what do you do now? You just double down on the same thing that you've been doing since the day you put your faith in Christ. You don't lessen up, you don't loosen your grip, you tighten your grip and you hold on now as never before in Jesus' name. You know, it's interesting to me that people often trust the Lord at times in their lives when things are relatively good and relatively easy. Actually, they trust the Lord in times where they probably don't need to trust the Lord. They have money in the bank and they have healthy bodies and they trust the Lord when the sun is shining 
And then when things begin to get really tough, then they start doubting. And then they start questioning. But listen, when things get really difficult, that's the time you need the life preserver the most. In fact, when the sun goes down and the waves start rising, that's the time to grab onto the life preserver. Some of you were holding onto the life preserver in the boat when the sea was calm. And now that it's gotten rough and you're in the waves, you're, you're thinking about letting go. That's the worst time possible to let go. I remember one time Evangelist Bonke said he was talking to um, a person. He had just preached in a church, and the person said, Evangelist Bonke, I've served the Lord my whole life. I've seen many miracles, and I've trusted God, but now I'm sick. I guess they had cancer or something, and, and I'm getting bad reports for the, from the doctor, and I'm tempted to throw in the towel, and I'm questioning my faith. And Evangelist Bonke said, oh, my brother. When you are drowning, that is the worst time to throw away the life preserver. It's time to cling to him as never before. So let me just read the last part of that verse again. I promised I wouldn't go very long, and I'm going to keep that promise. Verse 35, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't let go of that life preserver. Don't lose the reward of all that you've invested in. Imagine a person who's who went through trials and tribulations and they trusted the Lord and their confidence has been noticed by heaven and, and, and written down and they've accrued this compounding interest of reward that they're supposed to receive one day. But then at the very end, they decide to throw in the towel and lose everything. The writer to the Hebrews says, don't do that. Don't throw in the towel now. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So what do you need in the worst time of your life? Endurance. I know it's a simple message, but sometimes it's the most simple things that are the most powerful. There is no special secret. There is no special formula. You, you know, those of us that have gone through the hurricane, you know, you probably heard this ad nauseum at this point. Everybody's saying, you need to go hunker down. What does that mean? It means you've done everything now. You put out the sandbags. You boarded up the windows. You've got the water and the batteries and whatever else you did to prepare for the hurricane. But when the wind blows and the eye of the storm is approaching, there's nothing you can do. It's not like you can go outside and start waving your hands at the hurricane and redirect traffic in another direction. It's not even like you can go prepare. You can't go to the store. The stores are all closed. It's too late if you haven't boarded up your windows to do that now. There's only one thing you can do when the storm gets tough, and it's hunker down. And let me tell you something, my friends, that ex that's exactly what faith is. It's just saying, I am gonna, I'm going to grab a hold of that life preserver. I'm going to hunker down in faith, and I'm going to endure until the storm passes by. It sounds simple, but that's what faith looks like sometimes. Verse 37, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not de delay. I love how the writer of Hebrews puts the trials and the tribulations that the people are facing in the context of eternity. Because no matter how difficult it is now, maybe you've got water in your living room right now. And maybe your carpet's ruined. Maybe you have no electricity and it's getting hot. And you have kids that are whining and you can't afford to go to a hotel. There's not many around that, are, that have electricity anyway. And there's all kinds of things that are causing you to feel discouraged. And it feels like the worst day of your life. Listen to me, my friends. Just a little while from now, the coming one will come, and he will not delay. So don't throw away your confidence. In the light of eternity, even the most difficult trials and tribulations are actually quite small. 
You know, one thing that I like to do sometimes, this is just a little, a little secret, because I, uh, you may not realize this, but I have some stress in my life. I've dealt with a lot of stressful things, you know. I became the president of Christ for All Nations at 28 years old. And, and, and there hasn't been a peaceful day since. One of the things I like to do when it's starting to feel a little bit heavy is I'll walk outside at night and look at the stars. And you realize how small we are in the context of the universe and in light of eternity and the greatness of God. You're just very, very small. That doesn't mean you're insignificant. It just means that in a little while, all these problems are going to be past. They're just going to be a part of history. What's really going to matter is how you reacted in this moment. Oh, you're going to get more carpet. You're, you're going to get a new TV. Your electricity is going to come back on. Your air is going to cool your house down again. All of it's going to be fine. I promise. Listen, this may feel like the worst day of your life. I promise it's going to be okay. But when it's okay, you're going to want to be able to look back to this day and say, I held on to my confidence. And if you do hold on to your confidence for eternity, think about this, you will be reaping the dividends of the investment of faith that you made today in the worst day of your life. We fix our eyes on that day when all the trials and tribulations that we go through We'll pale by comparison, and we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And let this be your goal today, that on the worst day of your life, when you're giving account for it one day, you'll hear the Lord say, well done. You did good. You held on to your confidence. You didn't give up. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't start to criticize and complain. You kept a heart that was tender toward me and filled with worship and filled with gratitude. And that was beautiful to me. Remember, when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, which we've been going through, you see over and over that the faith that the patriarchs expressed and demonstrated in the Lord pleased God. He found it to be beautiful and wonderful when his children trust him, even in the most difficult times of their lives. Verse 38, but my righteous ones shall live by faith. Now, now listen, it's not saying that they live by faith because they're righteous. It's saying they're righteous because they live by faith. It wasn't their righteousness that gave them faith. It was their faith that imputed to them righteousness. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Listen to me. If you're, if you're in the worst day of your life, all of this has been encouragement, but let me make this a little bit sober for you. If you shrink back, the Lord will not be pleased. If in this moment you begin to allow fear and unbelief and doubt to creep into your heart. Not only is that not the best response, it's actually sin. And the Lord is not pleased with it. So don't allow unbelief to come into your heart right now. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back. You're not, you're not one of the shrinker backers. No, I'm gonna just encourage you right now. I wanna speak into your life. You are not one of those shrinker backers. You are not a coward. You are greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have proven the Lord's faithfulness time and time again. You are going to make it. You are going to be victorious. You're going to be more than a conqueror through him that loves us. We are not of those that shrink back, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. How do you preserve your souls? You grab onto the life preserver. 
What is the life preserver? It's trust. It's trust in Jesus, which is another way of saying faith. Amen? Let's just, let me just pray for you, and then I want to ask uh, Pastor Russ to come and pray, especially for those that are uh, going through very difficult situations. And I want all of us to join in prayer, those of you watching, for the victims of this hurricane, because there are really some people going through very difficult seasons. But Lord, I just thank you for the way that your word has been given to us in moments like this to bring comfort and to bring encouragement. And Lord, thank you that you speak to us right when we need it the most. Lord, I, I bless your people with faith. Lord, I just declare over them the way Hebrews 10 does, that they are not among those that shrink back, but they are of those that persevere and those that press forward to the saving and the preservation of their souls. Lord, I bless them, and I thank you that your word will take root in their hearts and bear fruit in the mighty name of Jesus. Pastor Russ, and everybody said...